uh, time for some daily check-ins. So, um, how you doing, Michelle? I'm doing okay. Just okay. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a funk right now. Nothing great is happening. Nothing bad or terrible is happening. I'm kind of just like as is. I'm. I don't know. Status quo. Like I'm. Okay, I'm okay. Is that? <laughs> why do you sound like it's a bad thing? Is that good or what? <laughs> well, that sounds good to me. It is. It is good, but it's like a notch down from good. <laughs> okay. I know. I really on a, on a scale from one to five, you're at like a two. Like five being like good, good. Yeah, yeah. You're at a two, like three. I'm neutral. like, yeah. I guess like <laughs> like a two point seven. God damn, that's sad. Okay, I hope you're digging. <laughs> I mean, night, but I like the silly thing is, like I said, nothing bad's happening. Nothing's terrible. I'm actually like, I should be pretty grateful. I'm pretty fortunate right now. I think it's just one of those days, you know. Okay, I feel. I feel like I have a, no, no, not like that. <laughs> I just feel like I have a lot of projects on my plate right now and I'm a little overwhelmed and when nothing or none of them is like getting completed it's just kind of like eh, okay like come on let's pick it up I feel it remember we um we talked a couple days a couple days ago I think you said you started that um atomic habits book yeah I did remember one percent rule I know percent rule. And the thing is like I actually had a pretty productive day today I've done a lot more than my average day in the last two weeks so I should preach I should be pretty proud of myself okay that's good sounds yeah. like a win to me it is so I don't know why I'm like in a little bit of a funk but it is what it is all right hopefully you figure that one out I will I will how are you doing I am I don't know like I'm feeling good <laughs> everything's good but I'm like one out of five grog yeah well <laughs> Not necessarily. Like I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm, I feel enlightened. I was definitely feeling a lot better this morning than last week. So last week I was fighting some kind of cold burnout. I, I don't know. I want, I want to say that it's burnout. Um, my whole, like my whole body was just fatigued. Um, I was mentally and physically fatigued, and I was only working like three hours a day. Then I'd go home, go to sleep, and then I rested all weekend got a bunch of work done woke up in the morning feeling great got through work until maybe 3 30 I was like man I gotta call it a day so I went home took a nap and I'm still kind of feeling it but you know other than that everything's going well I feel like I'm finally back on track to getting productive with all my little projects I told you about the plant side project I think yesterday or a couple of days ago um slightly overwhelmed with that because I did not expect the response <laughs> that I got like That's a ton awesome. of people yeah a ton of people liking the post a ton of people requesting or putting do in their want, orders do you want to describe what you're talking about to our listeners oh yeah duh so so I like the garden and you know when you buy seeds anywhere you always get a ton of seeds and if you don't plant them they go bad um, some go bad faster than others but I thought, you know, rather than just holding on to the seeds, why don't I just grow everything, whatever I have room for, put in the garden or make room for it. Whatever I don't, I sell. So um, I created this whole list and turns out I have like 50 different types of vegetable and fruit plants to sell. And it's pretty impressive. 
oh my god it was so overwhelming just trying to organize like the list and then now I'm thinking like, shit, where do I put all this stuff once it gets big enough? Because right now, um, right now, they're only a few inches tall. And then once it gets warm enough and there's more sunlight, like they're just going to grow super fast. And we don't have the space. <laughs> so I'm hoping that the orders come in slowly um, and I'm able to kind of like weed out a few items here and there and make space as people are placing the orders. But we'll see how it goes. It's a first year run. And, you know, if I don't sell everything, at least we have a ton of vegetation, <laughs> save like a million dollars, especially with the inflation on groceries, right? You're going to have to go like vegetarian for a month. I do not mind that. I've tried it. It's mm-hmm. not bad. You have to be extremely innovative. You have to have a lot of seasonings. Well, I feel like you have to have a lot of seasonings. The only problem I found was that you have, you have to eat a lot, you mm-hmm. know? Especially if you're physically active, you have to eat a lot or else you're hungry every two minutes. I feel like I, I get a little bored, but I don't know. I've never tried it before. Never going, even thought about it? Going vegetarian? No. Yeah. I mean, Have you had no. a vegetarian meal? I, of course I have. <laughs> a salad doesn't count. So like, like an, ag- <laughs> like no, an actual haven't. meal. Like, uh, what would be a good idea or... <laughs> I don't know. Have you been, have you heard of no bones in Ballard? You know, I have, but I've never eaten there before. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They had these, um, boneless Buffalo well, boneless. Of course there's no bones. Um, these Buffalo veggie wings tasted just like chicken. I don't know what the hell they did, but that was bomb. Was and, it cauliflower? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't like cauliflower chunks. They did mm. something to kind of get the same texture of a chicken or like Okay. Um, at least like chicken chunks and then um, mm-hmm. fried macaroni and cheese balls. And so, so you guys mm-hmm. know, no bones. I think they actually shut down because of the pandemic, but when they were open, they were actually a vegan restaurant. So I that's the, too bad. They had to close. Oh yeah, man. That place was bomb. The fried macaroni and cheese balls. Yeah. They used, um, they made vegan cheese out of cashew milk and out of cashews out of something like that i don't know okay either way it was so good everything was so good i think and this could be bs but i feel like my body just craves meat because i'm just so used to it in my diet that if i didn't have it like i, I think <laughs> my stomach would go bad i'm not even kidding you you start shaking like, you go it's into, like uh, you break out into a seizure yeah <laughs> so i don't know Oh no, try it out. You know, you never know. You might like it. I made some sweet potato garbanzo bean pupusas mm-hmm. a few years ago. I think I was talking to apparently like a few years ago, everybody was fucking vegan. So when I was on a <laughs> dating app, every girl I dated mm-hmm. at the time or wanted to date with was vegan. <laughs> so okay. I was like, oh, let me try to like whip something up. But mm-hmm. I made like six different vegan meals and out of all six only one was good <laughs> everything just tasted mm-hmm. like grass oh mm-hmm. horrible but yeah no those okay are- so now that you think about it you asked if i've ever had a vegetarian meal and yes i have made like a tofu stir fry before i didn't think i sent you a picture of it and you're like does that count that chicken how does that not count i mean no? I, I guess as long as there's no as long as there's no meat it's still vegetarian it was no meat because i replaced oh. it with tofu that yeah day. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you can have oh. like tofu fried rice, <laughs> tofu pad thai. Yeah. I, I guess. Why not? That makes sense. Makes sense. So anyways, yeah, you're going to have a shit ton of vegetables. 
but hopefully you sell them. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I know I got a couple orders, um, a couple of people that already paid for their orders. So I'm turning this into like a, like a real organized business. I got the, I got the inventory list. I got their oh, you order list with quantities. I got their boxes set up. <laughs> it's, you gotta be. Yeah. It's a side something. hustle. Yeah. It's better dope, deliver. Though. I think that if, um, I mean, ideally if I, if everything works out the way I thought it would work, I think it would work out. Um, or I hope it would work out if everything was sold. I mean, that's close to, uh, I think five to six racks. Damn. Don't let the IRS know. Good. A little side business. You know what bothers me? So if you were to grow something on your property, like vegetables, okay, you sell them, you have to pay a fucking tax for it. Hmm. Like, so to legally sell stuff, you have to have like a seller's permit, right? There's a permit okay. for and for everything when it comes to selling stuff. You have to figure mm-hmm. out what category you're under. And it's crazy to think that, you know, you're supposed to own this property. Anything you do on this property should be yours and you should be able to do whatever with it that you wish, mm-hmm. right? If you start growing plants, like you have to pay a tax. You have to pay the government or the state yeah. a fee in order to sell stuff that was already on your property. That my mind, I can't comprehend that. I didn't know that at all. It's like a yard. Like to me, it's like a yard sale, right? You don't have to pay taxes on the yard sale. Uh huh. Like I, it's well, possibly because you, you've already paid sales tax, and probably that's that's probably part of the reason why you've already paid sales tax for the items. But I've already paid sales tax for the seeds. I shouldn't have to pay to sell my own fucking shit. Exactly. Stop taking my money, Uncle Sam. (laughs) Yeah. Since we're talking about money, um, let's talk about today's topic, which is, uh, I believe. Episode number one of our taboo series. Yes. Yes. So money and salary. Yes. Um, the forbidden topic amongst everybody. Supposedly mm. for- forbidden topic. So I feel, you know, for the longest time, it's been unspoken of. Like you're not supposed to talk about your salary amongst coworkers, nor ask about someone's salary. It's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know where that came from, actually. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew, but you know, I feel like nowadays it's more common to talk to each other about people's salaries or how much you're getting, um, what's your hourly wage, comparing wages. I hope so. Just to make sure everybody's on the same page. I think it's, and honestly, I do think that it's a good thing that people do start talking about their salaries, you know? Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I understand, we understand that money can be a really uncomfortable topic to talk about, but that is what we are doing today because it should not be uncomfortable, right? It's actually a little funny that people like to talk about money when they can flaunt it or when they can flaunt like an affluent lifestyle. Like you hear about it in rap songs all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, like society has kind of taught us that it's connected to one's self-value based on how much they make, which I think is not fair. I don't believe it. But I did want to bring up one reason why people should talk about salary. And you already mentioned, you already mentioned this a little bit, but it does stem from an Instagram post made by impact. The Instagram handle is at impact, but it says that society has taught us that asking someone how much they make is impolite, which that's what you just said. As a result, they say money can be linked to shame, self-worth, failure, and success. Mm -hmm. And so with this salary secrecy, 
comes this lack of transparency around pay inequity. And this is why I think it's so important that this idea of disclosing your salary is a bad thing actually disproportionately affects women and minorities who experience wage discrimination. All right. Ooh, someone did some homework. Okay. I did. And so I looked it up on the internet. And so I'm going to throw out some numbers, but <clears throat> so the census website states that in 2020, women in the U.S. earned 30% less than men in the same age group. And this was like ages 35 to 44. Um, it also went on to say that women earn 82 cents for every dollar a man earns, according to 2020 data from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So that's about $10,000 one, sorry, I don't even know how to say this number. <laughs> I'm just kidding. $10,157. There we go. It's so much money. No, um, a year, which is, I mean, which is crazy. So all this to say, like, it is okay to talk about how much you make for many reasons, but for one of them being to help fight for pay inequity. Hold on, let's, let's, let's fall back on that really quick, because I, I think we do also want to differentiate, like, what do we mean when it comes to talking about salary? Because okay. when you brought up, what was it, rap videos earlier? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or just artists in general? Well, it's usually rap videos that like to flaunt how much money they're getting, or certain celebrities that like to flaunt how much money they're getting, usually in athletics. And, and it's not even just, but like, sorry, that was my phone. But do you have like people in your life who just like love to talk about money? Yeah. And so that's and, yeah, like so, boast on it. Exactly. So that's what I was trying to get at where, you know, we're talking about when it comes to talking about your salary or wages, I think there's a difference when it um, when it comes to talking about it. There are people that do like to uh, do like to boast about how much they make just to mm -hmm. show off what they have. Right. Those are the flashy type of people. Then there are mm -hmm. people that are saying it for more of a comparative sense or evaluative sense. Hope evaluative is a word. Sounds like a word. Evaluative. In, in order to, in order to like kind of affirm their title, you know, their worth. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where some people like their to talk status. about status. Their, their status. Yeah. And we're definitely trying to go that approach, not saying that, you know, I want to brag about how much money I'm making this year, you know, because mm -hmm. I definitely do have some people that want to talk about money. Now, I'm around some people that, that do like to talk about how much their salary is. Um, how much more they're going to be making. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. You're only bringing it up just to talk about how much more money you're going to be making and how it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily impact anybody else, but you, mm -hmm. you know, it's so arrogant. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I wanted to bring these, like these questions up, like, is your worth really tied to your income? Does how much you make tell others what kind of human being you are? No. Um, I think in general, that if money were talked about more often, then it wouldn't be such a taboo topic, right? So again, that's why we're here today. I hope people start talking about it more only because, I mean, I, I just hate how we put such significance or such importance on a piece of paper. And it's not even like a piece of paper anymore these days. I don't even want to get into the other, the other stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, you know, we'll definitely, <clears throat> we'll definitely brush up on that a little bit later. You know, I think that we are definitely speaking on this from like an American standpoint. Uh, uh -huh. My profession, I work mm -hmm. for the University of Washington. So I do find myself around a lot of international students. And, mm -hmm. you know, I try to pick their brain about the perspective on certain things, especially coming from a different country. Yes. And, you know, they're, 
from a cultural side of things, you know, it's definitely different. Um, and not necessarily just culturally, like uh, the w- culture related to their ethnic background, but like mm-hmm. what type of community they're in with them being, I, what I noticed is that all my PhD students, like they kind of think the same. When I, when I give them certain questions about, when I give them certain altruistic questions, they kind of respond the same versus my undergrad students or my uh, master's students or my friends that I've known since high school. So, mm-hmm. you know, later on, I'll go into depth about that too, but I, I realize it really does matter about your community and how you were raised. That gives Absolutely. you a certain perspective on what what's really important when it comes to money and salary, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, that's cool to be in your position. I feel like I would be picking their brains and always like asking for input from international students. Oh yeah, they're dope, man. All my it's, clients, they're dope. I didn't take advantage of it. So growing up, um, so, sorry, this is kind of off topic, but growing up, my family was a host family for exchange students, but they were like same age as me, maybe a little younger. And at that time, I wasn't really about like really, you know, getting close with them. So anyways, that's just something I take for granted. Okay. <laughs> While we're kind of like on the topic of workplace and pay. I have a story. And this is a story I've actually, I don't think I've told anybody except for my husband because he was there. I didn't tell friends. Yeah. So you're actually hearing you here for the first time. Okay. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So back in 2013, I had just received a job offer at a law firm to be a paralegal, but you never heard that before from me. Okay. So random. Okay. And when I got the offer, I actually tried to negotiate my pay. But after I tried, they ended up rescinding their offer. And I remember crying, being disappointed for several reasons. But it was a learning experience because I had never tried to negotiate before this happened. And um, I had no prior experience. So I did not tell anybody that because I was so embarrassed that... I like failed on this negotiating attempt. And the, and that's the thing. I'm like, should I have asked like what went wrong? And at that point, I think I was just so disappointed. I was like, whatever, I'm over you guys. Um, well, okay. So fast forward to 2017 or 2018, forget what year, but I'm at a different job. I just received my annual review and my annual raise. And before I signed off on it, I actually negotiated my raise and I ended up getting a higher raise. Higher than what you requested? I don't remember, um, but it was just higher than, you know, what they initially were offering me for my raise. So I tell this story to let people know that sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, like a close mouth, a close mouth, a close mouth does not get fed. And I mean, I did have several things going for me, but like at the end of the day, I was able to like prove or show my worth to the company, right? Yeah. And like, I'm thankful that they worked with me to get a higher pay, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I've never told that story to anyone before. And again, it it was associated with like shame and embarrassment. Like, I don't know me because I was like a failure at negotiating. (laughs) Because Filipinos are supposed to be the expert negotiators for everything. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) So, and like, that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like, especially in college or I don't know if you're taking like a resume prep class, I don't know, job searching in general, like, were you ever told like, go ahead and negotiate or like, it's okay to negotiate or something like towards that direction? So I was, 
always told that it's okay to negotiate your pay, but never taught how to, okay. you know, yeah. you know, as a, what, an 18 year old, when you jump into the workforce or any field, right. Um, when you jump into any field, you kind of just take what you're given. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as you go through, like for me, my first, I got a first job when I was first legitimate job when I was like 16, I think I was working for the library. And when you work for the first city, legitimate job, what are you doing? Well, I mean, <laughs> so before when I was like, when I was like nine years old, I had my own paper route. Oh, okay. So like, I literally had to do my own accounting. I had my own list of clientele. I had a leads list. Like it's, it was ran <laughs> like a legitimate retail yeah. store. So okay. now that I look back at it, that's probably why I have this business mindset, but work ethic, that's where it started. But anyways, so uh, my first job, 16 years old, I was working for the city of Seattle, uh, for the Seattle Public Library. And I remember that. Yep. And so, you know, that's a job you don't negotiate your pay. It's listed there clearly for the public. This is what everybody starts at as a student. You're only able to work a certain amount of hours per week and make a certain amount of money during the school year, right? So working for the city at that age in 2005, we were getting paid, I think, 12 to $13 an hour. Minimum wage was set. So, I mean, being a kid, getting paid that much and still being in school, I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't care. I'm getting paid more than minimum wage, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it never crossed my mind. Then we get to, um, I ended up leaving around $15 an hour and minimum wage was still like seven, right? So I went from there to Nike. I had an hourly wage drop. It went down to 9.25, I think. Um, but still it was above minimum wage. As a kid, mm-hmm. like I'm, I was what, 18 years old at the time, maybe 19. But as a kid, like I'm not thinking, oh, let me negotiate my pay. I know my worth. Like my thought is, I'm still getting paid above minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after that, I bounced around for a few jobs before I decided to go to college. And then uh, the first time I actually negotiated my wage was 2016. So I've been personal training ever since I graduated college. I ended up going to a local gym, right? They, this was probably the first place that I can remember where they asked me, how much do I want to get paid? And Yeah, everywhere else was like, this is the starting pay. And I, and I would ask them like, oh, well, what are the pay raises looking like? Um, what are the performance reviews looking like? How much time in between raises? And they would give me a list. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good. I'll get a pay raise quick with the other jobs. This one, they straight up asked me, they gave me a number. And I actually came back with a counter offer and was like, I want this hourly wage. I get this percentage based on how much sales they get. And as long as I could conduct these few things, I'm in. And they were all on board. And so that was the very first time that I actually successfully, well, actually the first time I tried to negotiate my pay and it was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time I negotiated my pay was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. I was with the Seattle Storm. Did I tell you that story? No. So I interned for them for two years. Um, my internship was pretty much the job they wanted to offer me without the title. So when I came in for the first year, the head strength coach was like, oh yeah, I want to introduce you as my assistant strength coach, right? Not, not the intern. I was like, oh shit, dope. All right, cool. So um, halfway through the season, you know, everything's going well. And then I got sick for hell long. My car broke down. I ended up with a huge fine I needed to pay off. And all this stuff happened at once. And I had to stop halfway through the first season. And so 
I ended up leaving. And then the next season comes around and I emailed the strength coach again. I'm like, Hey, you know, last year I, I told her everything that happened. I'm like, I'm extremely on top of it. I'm more organized about my time at the time, at the time for the first year with the Seattle storm, I was working like 80 hours a week. So that shit was hectic. So 60 to 80, somewhere around there. Anyway. So this time I had my time managed well. And I told her, you know, I'm ready to be on board. Anything you guys need, I'm ready to go. So I was lucky enough for them to, for, to want me to come back because I stopped halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. So I believe this is 2018. Has to be because this was championship season, I think. Anyways, they bring me back in. We're talking towards the end of the season. We end up winning a championship, right? She's like, oh, hey, Dante, let me pull you aside real quick. She goes, you know, I really am appreciative of how you went through with this. I want to vouch for you and I want to bring you on board as the assistant strength coach. Okay. And I was like, I was so happy because mm-hmm. just to have that title with a professional team would be fucking amazing. Right. Right. Now, everybody keep in mind, I had to be 28, 29 at the time. Right. My student loans aren't on deferment. I've got, I think I had a new car at the time. I had, um, I was paying to fix my other car and I had all these other things piling in. So and this wasn't that long ago. No, this wasn't that long ago. This was for this. This was going to be for the 2019 season. Yeah, it was going to be for the 2019 season. So anyway, she's like, "Yeah, I need to talk to management, the owner, push this through, and you know, as long as they accept it, I want to bring you on as my assistant." I was like, "Shit, dope. All right, cool." So um, after the championship parade, WNBA usually the players that don't need uh, that need to play for extra money, they'll go overseas. Well need to play if they want to play too some of them don't need the money but if they want to play they will go overseas and you know that's the time for the team to get together figure out a process for the next season and the head strength coach she texts me she's like hey I talked to everybody and um you know they're extremely happy and before I get a before I get any confirmation on it is there anything that you would want I'm going to let you know that you know, there's no, there's usually no salary tied to it, but I'm going to try to negotiate it for you. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. Well, what happens if I, there is no salary? Is there any substitute? And she's like, okay, well, if you could give me a list of things in case they don't, in case they can't pay, what are some things you would want? Right. Are you talking about, sorry, I just need to clarify to understand salary versus like hourly or just pay in general. So they, they get a salary. Okay. Yeah. So so she was like, uh, usually there's no salary tied to it. Is there anything else that you would want um, if there's no pay attached? So I gave her this whole list. I was thinking for like days. I'm like, all right, let me get back to you real quick. I gave her this whole list of things I want. I was like, you know, admission to conferences, uh, maybe access to other strength and conditioning coaches. So that way we can connect and try to figure out how to help out the team better or other strategies on how to train them. Uh, maybe implement some training systems that other teams are using that maybe we could try to bring to the storm. What, what else was there? I think there was like extra, extra t-shirts. So when you work with them, you get, I think two t-shirts. Well, when you were, when we were with Nike, there was a period where one year was with Nike. The other year, year was with Adidas. Let's start off with Adidas. When we were with Adidas, we got like four shirts, three pairs of shorts, and then whatever else extra there was when I think any team that's sponsored by Adidas, they just mm-hmm. put out a ton of shit. So if you're looking, looking to work for a sports team, Make sure the sports team is sponsored by Adidas because they will give you hella free shit. Um, but Nike, on the other hand, <laughs> Nike, that was the championship season. Uh, I do love Nike uh, apparel and footwear. But we got two shirts. 
one short sleeve, one long sleeve. That was it. So I was like, I was like, bet. I mean, like we work out in the summer. I sweat a lot. I kind of want some extra shirts. If I can't get paid, can I get like two extra t-shirts, maybe a pair of shorts? And I and think I'm like, I, nope. I, oh, no shit. So I asked for a few other things. And then she's like, okay, let me get back to you. She gets back to me like within an hour. And she's like, uh-huh. unfortunately, we can't do this. But would you still like to accept the offer? And I was like, fuck, man. You know, like I said, I'm 28, 29. I've got bills to pay. I can't spend anywhere from 20 to 40 hours a week doing this for free, you know? Yeah. I yes. under- That's like the part I don't understand. Well, I think what some people won't understand is that when it comes to our industry, um, and I guess we would, well, I want to disassociate that from the fitness industry. I'll say mm-hmm. the, the strength and conditioning industry. Okay. So when you try to make it into athletics, going through collegiate, uh, through the pro level, going through the collegiate level or the pro level, a lot of times you have to put yourself in a work for free position. A lot of people that have gone into like a master's in kinesiology or exercise science or whatever, when they go into a graduate program, they will go through a graduate assistantship, a GA position. So GA positions are paid. Your GA position might be for a couple of years, uh, most likely just the duration of whenever you're in school, I believe. And the thing that's fucked up about this industry is that when you leave, a lot of time, or when you're done with your graduate program, a lot of times people will still have to work for free. It's supposed to kind of show like your mental and physical strength to push through. It's kind of like your interview, you know? Okay. But I mean, to think that, you know, you have to do this for two years for free really sucks. Yeah. But you also are like 22, 23 years old. You still get to postpone your bills. Um, you still get to work towards your goal. But once you're like late twenties, Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to like, if you're living by yourself, trying to pay all the other student loans or whatever else you got going on, it is tough, right? Yeah. Like, that tough. doesn't sound like a good deal at all. So I'm sorry. Oh, definitely not. So this kind of, this is kind of how this transition into like the pro level and it might, I don't know if it's just the WNBA or just the Seattle storm, but that's kind of what it was. You know, you would be an assistant strength and conditioning coach. You would work for free, get your name on their staff list. You're in the books, your pictures in the books. You build connections with other teams that are around there or under their strength and conditioning system. So they're connected with the Seattle Seawolves, I think. That's the Seattle rugby team. And then possibly the Sounders. Someone, there's some other team that they're connected with. But the hope is that, you know, you do make your way up to mm-hmm. get to a paid position. Uh, I don't know if this industry is changing, if the industry is changing at all, because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to go the pro route anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, pro or even collegiate route because I talked to collegiate strength coaches too well the ones I did talk to mm-hmm. and they were not happy but yeah that's that's it you do have to end up busting your ass working for free that's crazy because that's a lot of time that's a lot of time that you could be working to make money I mean mm-hmm. I guess what I hear you're saying is it could pay off in the long run mm-hmm. right it could it could so yeah it could if you have a good plan, but you also got to think about it when it comes to my field, when you're trying to make it to the top, there is only one position, right? Yeah. That's making the money. So, and everyone is fighting for that position. Uh, everyone is fighting. So let's go back. We can even go back to the whole, um, the time I spent with the UW soccer team. And this was only like a month. Uh-huh. I was trying to intern with them just to get some idea of how they run their program. So it was like from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., three days a week. 
and you pretty much just shadow. You coach, you go over the program, you ask any questions, and then you help out the athletes when they need help. There was one day we're cleaning up and I'm talking to the strength coach at the time, assistant strength coach. And I was like, man, you know, how'd you make it here? And he was telling me like, yeah, he got his master's, had a GA position over at this college. Um, he ended up working for, I think, three or four years for free. Then he finally <laughs> got this position with UW. And yeah, I'm like, her big because that's just crazy. Yo. And then so hear me out, hear me on this. So I, I told him, I was like, yo, but you're, um, you're an assistant strength and conditioning coach. This is right before I started with the storm. Okay. So I was like, you're an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Like you made it, you're good. Right. And then th this isn't funny. This is actually kind of sad. You can see him like kind of roll his eyes and then his face just drops. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if you wanted to break down and say like, no, not mm -hmm. at all. This is not to discourage anyone. Like there still is a grind. But when you when you're trying to make it to the top, there really is only one position for the strength coach if you're really looking to make that money. Right. That's crazy. So I think on average, collegiate strength and conditioning coaches can make anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. So. So wait, you're telling me you're working all those years for free, but you're trying to, to make, make it so fifty k. Hear this out. You're trying to make it to the top, right? The head strength and conditioning coach for UW makes, this was 2017, I think, makes 400K or made 400K a year. That's one of the positions they're trying to get to. That's crazy. He, it's like, uh, why not give some of that to your assistant? I mean, <laughs> do you need to be making that much and then your assistant just slaving away for free for years? I know what you say to the CEOs of major companies, right? Like that just doesn't <laughs> sound right at all. It's crazy. Yeah, it's tough. And that's the grind. That's what people are, are hoping for, right? That's exactly what people are hoping for. And when you get to an athletic director, so the athletic director for a university, they'll cover all the um, like equipment orders, nutritional orders, making sure all programs are lined up. So they'll kind of oversee the whole program. Mm -hmm. okay? I think they are in the six figure range too. That's ridiculous. Well, they should be, especially if the head strength coach is making that much money. I mean, that just sounds like they're taking advantage of those on the bottom. Oh, collegiate sports makes the big bucks, man. Brings in the money for the university. And everybody's trying to climb to the top. I don't think anybody wants to stay an assistant strength coach forever. <laughs> sure, but at least be getting paid for the work, you know? Yeah. Time and work. I mean. Definitely. That's yes. super discouraging. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is super discouraging. I just, oh my gosh. I don't know how to wrap my head around that. And what's interesting though, is that when it comes to pay with that, like that's all public information, right? When it comes to the mm -hmm. university, because anything through the university is public information. Well, at least through UW, I know that. And, you know, I don't know if there's ever any discussion about what someone deserves. If there's any way you can negotiate your pay once you get into that position, I it might be could be based on performance of the teams. So actually with collegiate stuff, it, I think performance of the teams does play a huge factor, a mm -hmm. really big factor. If the team is doing really well, everybody that is under that team's umbrella mm -hmm. gets paid really well as well. If they're doing well. If they're, do, if they're doing well. <laughs> if they're doing well. I think that's when you, know, you, you try to negotiate your pay. That's a trip. But yeah, I don't know if anybody really talks about how much, how much they make, but when it comes to the personal training industry, there is always talk about how much can I make? How do I make more money? 
Um, how much did I make this year? How much mm-hmm. can I charge per session? This is how much I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of credentials should I have? My credentials should give me a higher salary or a higher hourly wage. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's in general, like those questions you just listed, like anybody mm-hmm. can ask, be asking themselves in any industry, you know, yeah, for that matter. But yeah. When you were working at the retirement home, did, um, did you guys ever talk about how much you guys made? No. Was there any worry about how much you made? No. <laughs> so, and, you know, and I think that's part of it too, right? Uh-huh. You have to figure out like whether once, when you're in a place where you think you make enough, usually you don't try to negotiate more. Until sure. someone that feels like they don't have enough brings it up. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at right now over at UW. A lot of people are upset with their pay and trying to figure out what their worth is. And what was funny is that we had a legal issue in our department. And um, this happened last year. So 2021, it was just finalized this year. Before they got this whole legal process started, um, a lot of or a couple of trainers were going to HR. They're going to the director, and ended up talking to the administrator at one point. And the administrator was saying that you shouldn't be negotiating or you shouldn't be talking about your pay with your coworkers. Hmm. Why? Why did they say that? Yeah, and my coworkers like, why shouldn't I talk about it? Yeah, you should be able to talk about it. You should be able to talk <laughs> about it. It is not illegal to talk about it. I think what one of the reasons to why um in the past they were saying you shouldn't talk about it is because employers don't want employees fighting about their wages saying why is this person getting paid more than me and we do the same job mm-hmm. you know yeah employees try to employers try to be sneaky about that shit especially when you get into bigger um yeah. bigger companies working for bigger companies they don't yeah. want you talking about that shit at all but you should yeah this issue about you know lack of transparency again right yeah because what what were the figures that you brought up women get paid about ten thousand dollars less being Mm -hmm. in the same position as men yeah earning 82 cents for every dollar that a man does Mm -hmm. yeah and that's definitely like one of the reasons why you should make sure that you're talking with your coworkers about what you get paid i think one issue though is that when people talk about their pay they definitely think they're deserving just because they do the same job. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think there are certain positions where someone's expertise hold more value, Mm -hmm. hold more value or their experience holds more value. Mm -hmm. And that might grant them a higher pay or a higher salary. And some people just won't understand that. They think, Oh, we're all more. I keep talking about personal training because I'm a personal trainer. But um, someone recently brought up, oh, I got my certification. I paid $1,000. I deserve to get this much. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you think you deserve to get that much, (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. okay, where my credentials are at, like, I -hmm. should be getting this then. Mm -hmm. And not not to rain on her parade. I'm just saying that when you hold, when one employee holds a standard so high, Mm-hmm. without actually realizing that maybe not to say that her credentials shouldn't put her that high but if someone holds their credentials so high and not uh if they hold it so high without realizing that it shouldn't be that high mm-hmm. that could cause conflict in the work sure. uh, work field right work community 
it's all tricky. And that's the part that sucks about it. You know, it's like, where do you even begin the conversation or, or like, I'm hearing you talk and I'm hearing you say these things. It's like, okay, like what, you can't even do anything about it. You I guess, know what I mean? I guess why, why would you have the conversation? I guess just to, to be aware and hopefully like fight for that fight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess the part that I don't like is just like connecting it to like how much you make is going to determine your value. I mean, shoot. Okay. This is the first time in my life, like other than being dependent on my parents growing up that I'm like financially reliable on someone else other than myself because stay at home mom, as we all know, but like, if I tell, if I tied myself worth success, whatever else, like based on how much I was bringing in, like I'd be nothing, but that wasn't always the case. Okay. I have another story for you. And again, no one knows this except for my husband and I, because coming out with the stories, people don't talk about money. Okay. So I actually paid for a majority of our wedding, which sounds weird to say it out loud because I don't know, the husband's supposed to make, you know, are they make more money? I don't know. But at the time, my husband, obviously my fiance, like didn't make as much money as I did. And I think it was a combination of like my base pay and commission Mm -hmm. that was coming in. So for a little there, like I was the one making more money in our relationship you know, obviously like that didn't last too long as he continued to like climb up the ladder in his industry. And like, now he supports our family, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and that's just how a partnership works. So was Uh, there any, was there any conflict when that happened? No, there wasn't. You know, I I think that's definitely a moment where people should be talking about salary and having an understanding because I actually been in a situation completely opposite or a mindset completely opposite. Sorry. So I dated someone like right when I got out of college and I was not making a lot of money at the time. I think I had enough to pay for rent, groceries and gas. You know, we couldn't go out as much. She liked to go out to eat a lot. Luckily, she was a homebody. Like when it came You're to a homebody, but you like to eat out a lot. I feel like that still well, sounds expensive to me. Sorry. When I say homebody, <laughs> meaning like he doesn't want to go hang out at the bar Sure, sure, sure. I think we were like, what? I was 24, 25, Mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. But um, one time she, this is when I wasn't working as much. She goes, you know, I'm the breadwinner in this relationship, right? Like, all right. And, and Mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, I mean, I bring in most of the money. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. She said, I will be bringing in the most of the money. And what was her reason? To point so, that out. I have no idea. I was trying to figure out. I was like, why are we talking about this? She goes, I just want to let you know, like, I can take care of you. Like, I don't need nobody to take care of me. I have my own goals that I want to achieve. And uh-huh. if you think you're going to make more than me, that's perfectly fine. But why mm-hmm. the fuck are we talking about this? I was mm-hmm. more upset about the approach. Sure. You know? I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know what was going on at the time, but I would never, yeah, I like approach my partner and be oh. like, I make more money than you. It was so fucking weird. And then and it's then just kind of like, it's just kind of condescending and, uh-huh. de- you know, demeaning. Oh, definitely. Because tables did turn about mm-hmm. a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making a lot more money and I was like, she's still complaining about shit. And I'm like, 
I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like, I, mm-hmm. you're talking about taking care of me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now you're complaining about this, 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 and this. And then you're still trying to talk about money with me. Like, what the fuck is, what are we, why are we even together? What's the mm-hmm. point? And that was not a healthy conversation about salary. Mm-hmm. It was more so about status. Like she was trying to figure mm-hmm. out status based on how much money she made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's when shit gets really toxic when people are like, oh, how much do you make? Do I make more than you? Mm-hmm. I make more than I make the most money in my friend circle. I had some people that are like, oh, I'm about to break six figures this year. Yeah, they were like, I, I'm about to break six figures this year. The reason why I came off kind of negative was because this is the type of person that likes to talk about the stuff that they buy, the stuff mm-hmm. that they have, the stuff they're about to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're extremely materialistic and that's cool and all, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you understand like they're really just talking about their salary yeah, or the raises just to show their status. Yeah. And I guess like, I don't mean like, I'm not bringing up the fact that I paid for a majority of my wedding to boast about it or to like brag about it. It's simply because I don't know, I guess I was under this impression that like most of society will think lesser of a man who makes lesser than their partner. Definitely. And uh, I, I just don't see it that way. I mean, if it's like a true relationship and you know, you're not like a gold digger or anything like that. I mean, like, why does it matter if you're in it together? Right? I think like it's a generation. Yeah. I think it's a generational thing too. Yeah. Speaking on like my grandparents and my mom's traditions, you know, my mom's always like, Oh, the woman's supposed to take care of the man in the house. Right. Mm. It was never about how much money did this person make? You should let her buy you stuff. Um, as mm. always like what can she do for you in the house mm. our grandparents have the same mentality where it's like oh you should be making this much money you got to be able to provide which I still believe in that you know mm-hmm. but to what extent or what amount do you need to make until you felt you feel like you fulfilled those shoes or you filled those shoes right mm-hmm. I mean I don't know I don't for me I don't have a specific amount I'm very glad that I know like several successful women in my life who kind of just break that what's the word mold. not expectation but what would you say mold yes you know that stand on their own and they're doing like completely fine and actually like excelling in life so mm-hmm. I don't know maybe I'm fortunate well I guess for you it's kind of hard to answer the question because you're you're a stay-at-home mom right what give it to me well because <laughs> at this point you can't really Salary doesn't matter because you don't have a salary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's really no need for you to talk about it. And let me tell you, like, it's also very weird not bringing income in for the first time in my life because I have been working since I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and I had been saving my own money and yada, yada, yada. Like, this is the first time where I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm like completely financially reliable on someone else. And it's a weird thing. Like, it was kind of odd at first and I didn't like the thought of it, but again, I go back to this, like, I'm in a marriage, like we're in a partnership, we're a team, like we've got each other, yeah, you know? We're, so we're a team. I should use him. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, just, it's a, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so like that, that to me doesn't matter anymore. I mean, obviously one day, I think it's just in this season of my life, like 
one day when the boys are back in school and I have a different schedule, like I do want to enter back in the workplace, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because I enjoy working. So I know like this isn't going to last forever, but again, there is just something like almost embedded in our brains that like, you have to be bringing in some income or else you're shit. You know, I I think the idea that it is a societal thing, like a U.S. norm to sort of brag about like how much you make, who's going to make the most, try to climb to the top. Because what I noticed is that- Oh my God, we like a competitive, what do you call it? It's a competitive- Competitive mindset. Competitive, yeah, like, right? Don't you think? Well, well, if you think about the U.S., you know, it's always who is the best. You're trying to be the best. And that's Mm -hmm. with almost everything. We're graded on everything in life ever since we're born. You know, there is a grading scale. Once we get to the point where we could comprehend where we stand amongst our peers, Mm -hmm. that's where it's like, oh shit, well, I don't be doing better. Like I'm subpar Mm -hmm. to whatever. I need to make sure that I'm busting my ass to do this. Right. Very unhealthy. Definitely unhealthy. And then when it comes, when it gets to finances, I feel like that's what causes a lot of stress amongst people that I'm not making enough. And when you have the standard of someone being a specific age or being part of of a specific group and that you should be making this amount of money, Mm -hmm. that definitely plays a negative role on your mental state, you know? Sure. You know, I was reading an article earlier. I think I shared it with you. I don't know if you got a chance to read it, but basically the author, he was saying that he conducted a study. He's a sociologist. In his experiment, he had a, um, a budget simulator the people that were part of the study were either supposed to be poor or wealthy. And it showed that the people that were part of the poor group, it made a negative impact on their mental state and they felt less empowered in life. Mm. And it caused them to think negatively about themselves, whether they can actually achieve in life. And yeah, that definitely just plays a, mm. a role, you know, on whether on whether you feel like you're doing well or yeah, I guess on, on whether you're even succeeding in life. That made me think about how like money talks and money gets people places. Like if you're talking about like poor and wealthy and mm-hmm. the wealth just, you know, are, are kind of more down on themselves and less fortunate. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe not. Oh, keep going. Nothing. I mean, it's just, it's just unfortunate how money talks. And then right now I'm watching Inventing Anna on Netflix mm-hmm. and how she's able to trick all these people into thinking that she was wealthy when yeah. in re- reality she had no money you know you know the scene when she's staying at that hotel what is it called 12 George or whatever and she's handing out tips and like hundred dollar bills like nothing yeah, yeah. probably spending thousands a day just on tips yet she couldn't pay for her hotel room mind you but anyways it's just like she had money people thought she therefore she thought she was wealthy and she got away with it you know I'm not done with the series yet so I don't know how it's going to turn out but (laughs) money talks to me it doesn't matter like if someone makes 90,000 a year versus 50,000 a year Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you why that doesn't tell me how much money you have because you could be making 90,000 a year, but spending a lot and saving less versus if you made 50,000 a year, maybe you just spent the bare minimal amount to pay your bills, get by whatever, but you set, but you save more. And so you could have more money than people who make more than you. 
Well, let's put it this way. Like, even if you knew how much money someone has, does that matter? No, but people talk like it does, you know? So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't care if you make six figures. Mm -hmm. That doesn't tell me anything. You could have terrible spending habits. True, true, true. You know, I've been on the- saving habits. Yeah, I've been on the opposite end where I've heard of someone that made six figures, like, when they were younger. And I'm like, fuck, why am I not there yet, you know? Sure. But, you know, that feeling goes away quick. Because I realized for myself, the money, the amount of money I make doesn't really matter. In the end, I'm going to make a lot of money. Like, I already know that. And maybe that's the reason why it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not letting it bother you. Yeah, I'm not letting it bother me as much. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that it did bother me kind mm-hmm. of sucks because I'm like, why should it matter how much money this other person is making? Mm-hmm. You know? And again, it's because, like, we often tend to compare ourselves. hmm and like, this is how we should be doing, or maybe I should be at this point in my life, or why aren't I making, you know, that much? Oh, hear me out on this. So this is what I was trying to tell earlier, why I think that it really depends on what society or what community you're a part of, on whether the amount of money you make is really important. So this is strictly like my family in the Philippines, okay? I realize, like when you're in the U.S., you know, when you make a certain amount of money, you're always providing for yourself and whatever else is yours, right? You and your family. What I notice is that my family in the Philippines, a few of them, when they get money, extra money, they always disperse it to the people around them. Could be friends as well, could be the community. It's always providing for everybody else and not just thinking about themselves because they want to see everybody else be happy, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think for some reason in the U.S., a lot of people think that they will be happier if they make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. I don't know, which is tricky because like I was going to say for themselves, but I kind of held myself back. You mean happy, happy for themselves? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like in the U.S., you know? Yeah, I, I feel like when. But I don't want to I mean, think that like everybody is selfish. I mean, oh, definitely. You know, I don't think everybody like, you get people out there. Like what, 98%? 97? <laughs> I definitely think there are a lot of people that don't allow money to dictate their happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, especially those that make enough, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to provide for themselves. And I don't really know where this comes from. I remember we were talking about it in a psych class. But they're saying that, you know, once you're able to make enough money to gain your your um, necessities, which would be shelter, mm-hmm. food, any essentials that help out with living, like yeah, staying clean or whatever, getting from point A to point B. When you're able to cover all those things, like that's when you've reached your true happiness. You know, everything beyond that is superficial or just temporary. Right. Because. The things that, you know, you, you purchase beyond your, your, um, necessities. Yeah. But what there's a, your prime necessities. Cause I mean, I necessities could be subjective, right? Like for me, shoes, shoes are a necessity, I would say. But when I say your prime necessities, I mean like your things that help you to live and thrive, mm-hmm. right? Once you've reached that point, everything that's secondary brings temporary joy. Because you're not, you're not seeing it on a day-to-day basis. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At some point it does like, you don't wake up thinking that you're happy every day to see your new car or your new jacket or whatever the hell else it may be. 
Maybe a car. Man, I would get <laughs> maybe. Actually, actually, maybe it kind of depends on what what kind of car. But but yeah, I I personally don't think money can bring you true happiness. No, no, it can't. But it can buy you some stuff that makes you happy. True. Yes, temporarily. But like even things that like experiences, for example, like traveling versus materialistic items. Mm-hmm. Ooh, services versus maybe like a DIY. Like, for example, like if I can pay someone to do something, okay, like for example, housekeeping. Like, I would love to have a housekeeper only because mm-hmm. that gives me a headache and that hiring someone like that would take a lot off my plate. Uh-huh. So, in return, I would be happy. So, it can't, <laughs> it can buy like temporary happiness. It can, it can, but no, like. And I'll be all like, no, I don't think it can. But then why do people go on like game shows to like get the prize money? Okay, but back, like temporary only. Hold the fuck up, because first of all, game shows are fun. (laughs) Game shows are fun as hell. And I wouldn't mind spending a whole fucking day trying to get onto a game show, which it is a whole fucking day, you guys, because I try to get on the prices right. (laughs) Did I tell you? I was on TV for 15 seconds. Uh Uh-uh. So... We're in LA. Uh, this was 2017, maybe 17 or 18. No, 17. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we're about to go on the prices, right? Like, let's try to get on. So you mm-hmm. just have to show up, right? Mm-hmm. Go to their little studio in Hollywood or wherever it's at. And you hope to get there early enough before the line gets way too long. And I think they're shooting shows every day. You just got to know when the when they're shooting what. Oh, no, no. I think you had to put in a request. You have to put in a request online to go in the line okay. for the show. So I'm on, uh, we're in line, like the host is walking down, asking people questions, just interviewing people. I'm trying to like stand out from the crowd. I'm being loud, being stupid. And this guy, he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, what's up, what's up, what's up? And I noticed he's asking more questions to specific people. So that's how they pick him in nope, line? No, we're, okay. just in, we're just in line waiting to get inside the studio. Well, that's what I'm saying, because when you watch it on TV, you think they just like pull your name out, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's how they make it seem. I I know that's exactly how they make it seem. I (laughs) thought I thought what they would do is the camera guys like really just going in a random in a random Uh order and then just stopping on one person. But no, they're pre-selected. And I think they're pre-selected from the very first sit down because you sit. Everybody sits down on bleachers. You get your water, your snacks. That Um, shouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it was it was all bullshit because me and the host, we made eye contact for like 2.3 seconds. And uh-huh. I thought we had a connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, we get on set and the set is actually smaller than it appears on TV. It's it's really fucking tiny. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the guy that's announcing, like calling out the names, we're looking eye to eye again. I'm like, bro, are we in love or what? Pick me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought we were I thought I was going to be picked for sure. Every single person it, that was called up that day was in our section and right in front of me. <laughs> I was so upset. But I mean, I did get my, what, five seconds of fame. Well, so, when you were behind. And when I'm behind the person, <laughs> you could see me, you could see me, my jaws drop because like, because you can kind of see the light shine on that person. And when they're uh-huh. standing up, I'm looking up, my jaws drop. <laughs> There's so much disappointment in my eyes. Like that should be my fucking money. 
It's <laughs> tough. <laughs> but if you plan to go on a game show, you will be there all day long. All day long. We were there from like 7 a.m. all the way till 6 p.m., I think. Sounds about right. Yeah, it was not fun. Damn. But yeah, so I mean, yes, but no. Does it bring us happiness? What's your vote? Like ultimately no, because I think like, and this sounds so sappy, but like, I really just think that happiness lies within ourselves. And it's like, who's the, you see, you're laughing at me because it sounds so like. (laughs) This is a postcard. It's like a postcard quote. Go ahead. Is it? Cause I've heard, I've heard the quote, like life or no happiness is a choice or happiness is a decision or whatever. It's a choice, but like it is, you know, it is. So that's my take on it. I mean, shoot, I was never one for materialistic like items at all. I actually spent like a lot of money on traveling instead of buying materialistic things because traveling brought joy to me. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say like, in a way, like it can bring you happiness, you know, but I mean, still at the end of the day, I can have a bad day traveling and it can be shit. So yeah, happiness is within yourself. True. Okay, there are a few key points here. I think that money does not bring you happiness. So when it mm-hmm. comes to your traveling, right? Let's take, for example, that deal that you, I think it was you, Erica, and Nadessa, maybe. Oh, are you talking Jet about Blue? all you can jet with JetBlue? Yeah. So it was me, Erica, Alex, and Darren. And Darren. Okay. Okay. So. And what it is, I'll tell the people what it is, because it was freaking amazing. And JetBlue, someone working Jet JetBlue listening to this. Like, bring it back. Okay, so it was... Sponsor us! <laughs> so at the time, it was $500 for this all-you-can-jet pass, which was essentially unlimited flying for one month to all U.S. destinations on JetBlue. Which Sounds was all right. pretty freaking amazing, let me tell you. It was like probably one of the best experiences I've had in my life. Okay, so now let's say this. The deal was super cheap. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was a regular price deal, you probably wouldn't be going, you probably wouldn't have gone on all those trips. Like with or at the least, pass? Yeah. No. Or at least at least like that close together. Now, I think the circumstances can bring someone happiness, not the money. I think the money always assists in your happiness, right? Yeah. So let's say you wanted to go to a trip on a trip to California. Say you like to travel, you want to go to California, but your flight is like 200 something dollars you don't have 200 to do it right but you could probably still take a greyhound for like 70 bucks Mm -hmm. right or you could rent a car and drive down for the day rent a car Mm -hmm. for like 40 bucks and then maybe a car not that cheap oh you could find a 40 dollar rental gas is not that cheap (laughs) now it's not (laughs) now it's not so don't do not drive for your trips you guys the prices of gas, man. Um, I know. I don't yeah. want to come to Seattle this weekend anymore. That. No, but, but yeah, that's what I'm, what I believe it's, it's, it's extremely circumstantial. And I, one of the main reasons why I don't think money could bring you happiness is because, you know, earlier you were talking about, I think six figures or making, making 90 K versus 50 K or whatever. Right now you don't know how you spend it. So Let's say in Seattle, they're saying that in order to survive in the city, you should make, I think, 70 to 80K. Each Mm -hmm. person should make that. 
to mm. live within the city limits okay and i don't even think 80k is enough at this point but be slim pickings you no know, so so now let's say you make 80k and you're stressed out you're like oh shit i need to make more money mm-hmm. whatever to survive because i don't make enough money but mm-hmm. what if you take that 80k and you live in puyallup Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, Puyallup is nothing but wheat fields. Well, lies. it's a farm town. I don't know if it's, it's whatever. It's far away from the city, but it's a lot cheaper to live there, right? Or mm-hmm. let's say Pullman, because I know the rent. While rent was like 1400 in Seattle, Pullman. From Puyallup to Pullman. I don't know the rent in, in Pullman or in Puyallup, <laughs> but in Pullman, I was paying about $400 a month. Jeez. for rent compared to 1400 right mind you this is also like a decade maybe not a decade ago but like eight seven years ago well, yeah but so i'm I'm still comparing but, rent around the same time right oh okay. because i did move into an apartment right after graduation got it so oh and the one in west seattle yeah the one in west seattle so um, that was about 1400 a month for 400 square feet and i was paying in pullman i was paying about five no about 400 a month for 700 square feet right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like i said it's circumstantial right so yeah. my eighty thousand could go a long way somewhere else mm-hmm. and it really is just a matter of like what your priorities are what your values are yeah. and i guess your expectations i think that can help assist in getting you to your true level of happiness not necessarily the money mm-hmm. absolutely yeah but i do want to make a lot of money why i like shoes you don't want to just like make enough plus some so for me it's tough because and we don't know obviously we don't know like what plus some is yeah i mean obviously everybody wants to live a comfortable life no one wants to be stressing about finances right i just think i mean i don't know people are just greedy this country is just greedy Mm mm-hmm it goes back to what you were saying in the beginning of this podcast. You have to pay tax for something that you're growing on your property. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a trip. But one of my clients pointed out actually that, you know, what companies are doing now is that they are changing the titles of your positions. So if you look at like a position, it might say director of engineer facilitations or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Okay. They'll make, a, they'll make up a fancy name. Mm-hmm for a really common position. So that way, when you search for that name, mm-hmm. you can't compare it online to other <sighs> positions. I should ask my husband about this because he actually does, he does compensation analysis. He's in HR. And so that's, I think that's what his job, like, you know, writing job description, yada, yada. Like, I mean, we talk, we don't talk money often, but we've definitely talked about it before that like, People should talk about how much they they make. Like it shouldn't be a secret. Sorry, did you say um, talking about writing job descriptions? You kind of cut off. Oh yeah, I did. Okay. Sorry. So um, what I was saying was my husband is a compensation analyst. He works in HR mm-hmm. and he writes job descriptions. And I think he does, you know, I don't know what it is, like matches compensations to titles, whatever. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think that's my understanding of what he does. Um, I should ask them if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess and you're what... saying, and I'm sorry, just to understand you, they, they're, cha- they're changing the position title. So when some people look at that job, there's like zero pay history. 
Yeah, well, not necessarily zero pay history. It's just for like comparative reasons. So it, let's say, let's just take personal trainer, for instance. Um, if there is a director of kinesiology or some shit like that. So that way I can't look up personal. I look up director of kinesiology. It's a very limited field mm-hmm. or there's... um. There are only a select few companies that use that title. I can only mm-hmm. compare from those few, right? Versus yeah. I look at personal trainers. Yeah. I get a different range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Companies always trying to shortchange their employees, man. Mm-hmm. They need to be like that one guy that I think capped, every, well, not capped everybody up, but started everybody at $70,000 a year salary in Seattle. Are you, are you talking about Dan Price? Oh no. Is that him? He's, he's the CEO of whatever company in Seattle and he was making like six figures and he lowered his salary and dispersed it amongst his employees and now yep. they're all one happy bunch. It is, yeah. And it was um all employees decided to pay all 120 employees at least 70k. And how I wonder how that's going for them. Is everyone all happy? Yeah. They have a retention rate of 90%. Yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, look, it COVID hit them. Oh. So I don't know what his business is, but it says gravity payments. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he deals with other business. I think it's a B2B business to business transactions. Mm-hmm. And the like, I mean, that sounds all good and great. I remember it. So it looks like this happened in 2015. Um, so CEO dispersed his salary so his employees could all get a starting starting base pay rate of 70,000. And it sounded great. It sounded happy. But I feel like, and again, I'm not like too familiar with the story, but something happened in recent years where there was a backlash but again, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too familiar, so I'm not going to speak on it. I'd have to read up on it. Yeah. So, I mean, Wikipedia is definitely not a good source, but I feel like most people, Wikipedia is definitely not the best source. But uh, actually, it says he was making 1.1 million. Yep. Are you on Wikipedia? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Wikipedia is correct then. So, and then he also dropped, so along with all his employees going, up to 70,000 he went down to 70,000 yep. yeah he dropped down to 70k um and then there's also a section here that says that it was really to fight the income inequality mm-hmm. which is dope because I definitely do feel like in our society that people at the top don't want people at the bottom making anywhere close to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's what's going on over at UW is mm-hmm. that you know our boss I doubt he gets paid a lot of money but he doesn't want us to get in here because if I max out on my raise or my uh, my hourly wage, I'm pretty sure I'll be making more than him. <laughs> and I don't think he wants that. So this is why it's nice. It was nice of him to go down to 70,000. So six years later, after that 2015 decision, um, you know, people thought that that would hurt business. But he says that the, their revenue has tripled. Their customer base has doubled. of his employees have paid down debt and many were, many were able to buy their first, uh, their first homes, Mm -hmm. um, 401k contributions grew by 155% turnover, turnover dropped 
in half. And then when things started to go south at the start of the pandemic, and they dance as they lost about 55% of their revenue overnight. This is where I think something like that, um, putting your employees at an equal level as yourself helps because it boosts morale, right? Amongst your team. His employees volunteered to take temporary pay cuts in order to prevent layoffs, to prevent layoffs. I guess that saved them, but now uh, he paid everyone back and now giving out raises. Sorry, again, I'm just reading this. I'm just learning about this as I'm reading it. But yeah, that was interesting. Kind of like an experiment. But I mean, you know, good for them. It worked out. You know, they're that's the definitely one the, a risk, like a sacrifice. Yeah. Well, one of the articles that I read earlier, uh, one of the articles that I posted on our outline, it was talking about the negative impacts of people that don't make enough money. So, mm. you know, when I mentioned that when you're able to pay for your necessities, like your prime necessities, your yeah. um I feel like that gets you to your true level of happiness, right? And if you're struggling to make those payments, you know, the stuff that's really on your mind is how am I going to pay for rent? How am I going to make my car payment? How am I going to afford groceries? All that stress builds up, right? And Mm -hmm. that's going to make a negative impact on anything outside of your normal daily activities. So Mm -hmm. your work's going to be negatively impacted. Uh, Your mental health, your physical health. So sad. Yeah. And I wish other companies would just understand that. Like that, it really does suck. Mm -hmm. You ready to end this episode? I have a a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Okay. I want to leave this episode on like a more insightful tip, I guess. Mm -hmm. What is one tip that you would give to our listeners for, um, I guess like a good saving habit. Saving. Yeah. Saving or like being smart with your money, being smart with your money. You want to go first or I go first. Go ahead. Okay. I'll go first just because I've done this. So through personal experience, I have found this super helpful throughout my years. But, um, ever since I got a job at the age of 16, I have been saving at least 20% of every paycheck that I've gotten. And that was through, um, direct deposit. So when you set up direct deposit, you can have a certain, percentage of your check just go straight there. And I think that's what helped me the most is that I didn't even see it. I didn't have to do an extra step when I got paid. So when I got paid, 20% went into savings, 80% went into regular, my regular account. And so over time, that's how I was able to save. And still to this day, that is what we practice. Nice. I mean, okay. Not as much as 20% because let's be real. At 16, I don't know what I was buying. I was able to save that much. <laughs> These days it's not as much as 20%, but we do save a certain amount. So that would be my one, my one tip. 20% of your check, not your um, leftover money post paying bills. 20% of my check. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was like 20% I just never saw because it just went to straight savings. Oh, and then my dad always hounded me on this, but like never touch your savings in case of emergency. And I also never did that either. So I think I was fortunate to have like really good saving habits um, from the get-go from my parents. So thanks mom and dad. That's smart. That's really smart. This is probably a tip for um, a tip for those that are trying to grow in whatever field or anything that they're passionate about. Um, Always take a portion of your check and 
put at least $100 into an account that's going to help pay for something that can help you grow in whatever you're passionate about. So I got this from my boy Zoe when I used to work at 24 Hour Fitness. I keep saying, man, I got to text that dude. He knew that I wa- What's up? You better do it. <laughs> so I remember he, um, he knew that I wanted to work with professional athletes at some point. And at one point at 24 Hour Fitness, it was all going to shit. Um, I was doing well business wise, but then he was like, he was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta get out here and do what you want to do. This place isn't going to be a good environment for you. I know you're doing well, but like really, really go for your goals. And he goes, think about it this way. Remember when you first started here, you know, I knew you'd be doing well, but also keep in mind that whenever you're getting paid, you got to make sure you're putting money aside for your own personal growth, right? Because you're always going to have enough money to pay off your bills. You always want to make sure you always have money for an emergency, but you still want to make sure that you are mentally and physically growing in some way. And you're always going to need money to try and help with that, especially when it usually when it's professionally or professionally related. So, yeah, I mean, if you're really trying to achieve something in life um, and it does cost you a certain amount of money, whether you have to put that money aside for textbooks, uh, tech equipment, put some money aside and, and grow. Yeah. And for someone who doesn't know what they want to focus on yet, they could, it simply could just be for like exploring their hobbies. Yeah. Right. Maybe they don't know that they want to like focus on something yet, but they're curious about a certain subject or, you know, activity or whatever they, they want to paint a mural and maybe painting will take them somewhere. I don't know. Go buy yourself some painting supplies and try it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that sounds familiar. Invest in yourself. Did we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, we did. I think that's just going to be my whole thing for the rest of my life, man. <laughs> it, it was really dope because Zoe was, Zoe was a dope person. He, um, I remember when I first started training and like he gave me this whole the scenario thing because right now with your UX design stuff, right, you are trying to create out, create these personas, so when he brought me on board, he had like a whole list of personas and he's like, get these workouts, he'll review it. And he goes, you'll do just fine. And so he would watch how I train and, you know, he would help coach me and shit. And like, I think at that point I was still kind of a quiet kid, but, um, you quiet. It's crazy when it comes to work. <laughs> I don't really, I really talk about like, now I do. Now uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm a little bit more lax. Like I came out the office today. I was like, I was like, hey, yo, Elsie, you got my drugs? And then um, I said it hella loud. And everybody's like, the fuck? What's he and talking about? So I'm not wrong in the way I said it because she was supposed to bring me my coffee, which has so caffeine. That's your drug. And caffeine is a drug. So <laughs> it's sure. it, it works. I can't get in trouble, <laughs> right? Um, so <laughs> anyways, okay. yeah, I was kind of like, I kind of kept to myself and, um, but yeah, um, he kind of mentored me without even mentoring me. Like it was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Pretty dope. I think everybody needs to make an impact on someone like on others like that. I thought you were going to say everyone can use a mentor. I think everyone can. I think the title mentor is kind of intimidating. I mean, if you see it that way. Also, I feel like some people just would not want a mentor. You know, you think so?